Good morning. We got this question from an anonymous reader. Porn is ruining my life. So what he said is, I need to cut out porn. Totally sucks that my sex life is non-existent and social life is tanked because I'm finding it hard to relate with most people in my class. Very little time to make friends. I think the problem for me was both ways. Porn fucks up my potential relationships, but family and religious hangups prevented relationships leading on to seek solace and sexuality in porn. I have worked my way through the conditioning over the last few years. I've still got self-esteem shit that needs sorting out, to be honest. Overdosing on porn isn't helping. I'm worried that this is affecting my dopamine sensitivity and I need a reboot. You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain with none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. So first of all, I admire the courage for asking this question. It's something that probably more people struggle with than are willing to to admit. And the first thing I would say in response to this is... It sounds like you may be depressed or there are some of the clues in what you're saying there that are exhibited by people who are depressed. So as step one, I would recommend making sure that you are seeing someone about that and that you're getting help. Sometimes it requires more than just a behavioral approach to get out of one of these ruts. And, uh, you know, you may need to see somebody and see if there's any kind of medication that can help along with the way. Now, saying that, There are no judgments about what I'm going to say today, but every action has its consequence. And one of the kind of harshest truths that I've ever seen, ever witnessed, was, and I'm paraphrasing from Kit Lachlan, is that we are always practicing something. So when you wake up in the morning, you get up, maybe you hit the snooze button, maybe you then go for a coffee, wake yourself up, you check your texts, check your emails, all that stuff. That is practicing. Each time you do that, you are rewiring your brain and you are carving out those neural pathways more and more consistently to become better practiced at that thing. If you're practicing a skill, you're doing the same thing, but you're doing something productively and consciously. If you're doing something shit or if you, um, something that you, that you wouldn't approve of yourself doing, but it's become a habit, you are practicing that and you are becoming expert at that bad habit. We cannot escape this. No matter what you do, even if you try and do nothing, you try and have a state of non-doing, you are still practicing that state of non-doing. So essentially, we are stuck in this situation where you are always practicing something. And so you have no choice but to start making it conscious. Now, there's two problems that are raised in this question. The first one is the religious hang-ups and the, what was it that you said? The family and religious hang-ups preventing relationships. So problem number one, I mean, I I was brought up in a Muslim family myself, and I definitely can see the the religious hang-ups, the kind of judgments placed around sexuality or around behavior, many things that stop you from dressing yourself in a way that Um, that you would want to because of fear of of retribution. Now, see this man covered in post-it notes. Gary Weber talks about this, says that you are essentially, as you grow up, you are told, Peter is a good boy. 
Patricia is a pretty girl. She is good at sports. He is um, very clever. He is good at maths. He is easy to easy to please. He is um, easily upset. Peter gets angry from time to time. Peter is fat. Peter is thin. Any of these things. And we start layering on these post-it notes as we grow up. And these are all labels that maybe other people have given us, society has given us. Peter is male. Peter is female. Peter is masculine, feminine. And eventually we look like this guy. We're walking around and we are a pile of post-it notes that are just a series of labels that we've somehow acquired and decided to just adopt them as part of our identity. Now, the problem with that is that you are not, you then don't become this single unit. You are instead a pile of a kind of mishmash of post-it notes and labels that you've just stumbled through life and ended up with them covered all over. And some of these are not productive. Some of them don't serve you. And often they don't because you didn't consciously put them on. They were put on by your parents. They were put on by your society, by your religion. And so we do have to stop at some point when we are adults and say, do these all match up with my perception of myself or my perception of what I want to be? Now, I struggled with this labeling thing for a while because you think if I were to take off these post-it notes, then I'd become a sellout because I'm no longer being authentic. The fact is there is no authentic you. There is nothing to, there is, don't be sentimental about the post-it notes because they were never you in the first place. And so there is no problem with systematically taking off all of these extra labels until we only leave the ones that actually serve us and keep us happy. So that's the first thing. Consider with these religious hangups and the family hangups, are these values that you want to carry forward? And are they something that you would want to consciously teach your kids or to continue living alongside? So now that we've got that out of the way, the second problem is porn. You may have seen a TED talk recently that talks about porn being maladaptive from an evolutionary perspective. The problem is that we have unfettered access to a never-ending repository of pornography on the internet to the point where you've got five monitors surrounding you and it is infinite novelty as far as what is practical. I don't think anybody in the world could get through all of the porn in the world right now. So what this has done is created a short circuit in our neural wiring. It's fast-tracked us through something that our human brains are not ready, not capable to process and it does cause dysfunction. So there's a lot of evidence towards this. Again, I'm not making any judgments here, but the consequence that the action has a consequence. So this is a rat study that proves this point. So what you can see here is that they placed a male rat into a box, introduced a female rat and measured both its erectile arousal response and its time to ejaculation. This was quite low. And then it's, it, the rat started to become uh, desensitized to that, started to become um, used to the female rat. When they introduced a new female, then suddenly the arousal went back up again, beyond its baseline arousal, because it enjoyed that novelty, and time to ejaculation dropped again. Every time they introduced a new female rat, this happened. But as you can see, there's a very gentle adaptation to that. And so the rats eventually became desensitized to the novelty as well. 
The problem with mm. porn is that it's suddenly given people who are used to a much slower level of sexual novelty, even if you're pretty prolific in the real world, and you're getting a new boyfriend or girlfriend every month or, or every few weeks, it's still not going to rival the infinite high-speed novelty that is available on the internet. So what happens is this wiring is short-circuited, and this is what happens. Our reward centers suddenly drop in their sensitivity. It's like you're having to have more and more cocaine each time to get the same buzz. So there's progressive desensitization to repeated sexual stimulus, and this effect goes for men and for women. So nobody is safe from this. What this does, so this dysregulates a number of systems in the body. First one is mood. I'm going to provide a link at the bottom that has links to all of these studies. It's actually been uh, researched a lot more extensively than I'd, I'd thought uh, when I was doing the reading for this. Disrupts your willpower, so your ability to stick to your diet or even stick to a no-porn diet in the future. So it's a very vicious cycle. Increases the amount of pleasure-seeking behavior in a very compulsive way. Um, in the rats, they started to become absolutely crazy with this. It increased their cravings and their reactivity to negative stimulus and reduced their reactivity to positive stimulus. What happens is the classic cycle of desensitization happens with not only porn, and this is like any other drug, you know, porn has just become, in this guy's case, the the focus of his addiction, but the same thing happens. Binge, followed by a craving, followed by a numbed out pleasure response, followed by more cravings and then more binging. The binging gets bigger. There's further decline in the kind of reward center that your brain produces, so you need more to, to get the same amount, and then you desensitize more and more, and there's very little way out of that without just stopping. Finally, it will affect your stress system as well, and you can end up overly reactive to stressful stimuli. And this is again from the, the dopamine dysregulation, where dopamine is the kind of reward-focused neurotransmitter in the brain, and is stimulated strongly by cocaine and other addictive substances. Right, so the effects of porn addiction specifically, and this is why I'm focusing on this, and it was part of this guy's question, are actually distinct from masturbation. A lot of the time they would go hand in hand, and I would suggest to you, as we're going to go into the, uh, the actions, to drop both, or to at least control both, but the research shows that porn is more damaging than masturbation itself. Okay, so there is a nofap community online. These are a bunch of guys who, or and girls, who decide to go no porn, no masturbation, and just, like, either... I think it's just indefinitely. Now, they're pretty evangelical about this, and I can see the is, there's a good good thought behind the whole process. There's a nice uh, sentiment behind it. But often people on the NoFap forums will claim absolutely superhuman results from stopping this kind of thing. They'll claim that they're gaining muscle and women are approaching them in the street and that they've become super alpha and um, they're much more productive and they're feeling happier and all of this stuff. And I don't doubt that. But what I think's happening is that this isn't down to the no fap. This isn't down to them not fapping. This is because they are simply going from pathological 
to functional. Now, this TED talk and there's um, the, a lot of the data shows that this may be this kind of novelty thing and the desensitization approach, a desensitization um, phenomenon may be the reason that loads of men under 30 are starting to experience erectile dysfunction and sexual dysfunction that previously would be unheard of 20, 30 years ago. So in the case of the nofappers, what's probably happening is that they were on a the pathological end of the spectrum. They were fapping more than is reasonable and causing the and basically it's become it became a life destroying addiction for them. By stopping, it's taken them from abnormal up to normal. The same way that if a smoker quits smoking and becomes a non-smoker, they're going to experience huge benefits in their stamina, in their ability to to breathe normally and um, their general health, especially over a couple of years' time. But that doesn't mean that the non-smoker is superhuman. It just means the non-smoker is the normal state and smoking is the abnormal state. So you can see what I'm getting at here, that by taking something that is vastly harmful to you out of your life, you're going to have a, a global improvement. And that's really what's going to be the... Uh, that's what's going to be the culprit to all of this. Right, so we've talked about the two problems that this guy is facing, which is the religious hang-ups and porn. Now, what to do about all of this? Step one. So the key complaint, the key problem here, was that by doing this, it's stopping him from being able to enter a relationship and being able to enjoy connection with other people. Now, step one is to start working towards being the kind of person that women or men want to be with. So think about, first of all, what is it that you're doing that is stopping people from wanting to, to be with you? If you are focused on porn, your perception of what, of, of people, of sexuality, all of that becomes distorted and dysregulated, as we've seen. And so... Become, you've short-circuited the process and there becomes less of a desire to go out and meet people. Secondly, it's not a productive use of your time. It's not turning you into the person that you should and want to be. So with relationships, and I'll, I'll talk about how to substitute these behaviours and things in a minute, but the key thing is to not manipulate yourself to try and be more compatible with a potential partner. There's a difference between vulnerability and just being who you are unashamedly, unapologetically, and pandering and trying to just agree with what anyone's saying just to kind of fit in and and get along. And this is a key component of this. Mark Manson talks about this, which is polarizing people. So when you're at a party and you meet someone who you don't know very well, often what we try and do is we fit in. We try and find common ground and kind of get along with them and agree with what they're saying and so on. Whereas really, if you wanted to make a true friend or decide whether this person is going to be your friend or not, if you were both as authentic as possible from the outset, what's going to happen? You'll probably, if you if it's someone you wouldn't have got along with, they're going to be like, whoa, this guy's weird. And they're going to quite quickly, you're both going to mutually decide quite quickly that you're not going to get on. If you would have got on, and if you're really similar people, and you are just fully balls out authentic from the beginning, they're going to love you. 
because it, you've accelerated that process. Same thing goes for dating and relationships. So you want to be as authentic as possible as much of the time without being weird about it and polarize people. Because once you do that, you're just saving yourself time, you're saving them time. It's the more respectful way to be. Continue to train, travel, diet, exercise, um, learn and socialize and just essentially invest in yourself and become the person that people would want to be with. So there are ways to manipulate people into being with you, at least for the short term, but there's no, there's been no fundamental change there. So it's more important to invest in yourself and then it becomes effortless. If you replace, if you replace the habits of porn and masturbation with yoga, meditating, training, learning, reading, any of those things, imagine in six months time, in a year's time, how much of a better, more interesting person you're going to be. Right. So honesty and vulnerability, what I was saying before is that desire without neediness is the thing that is considered to be attractive. And if you make an advance to somebody, um, provided it's not, you know, super inappropriate and you're rejected for that, that advance is forgiven most of the time. Whereas if there was a potential for an advance and someone else is interested in you and you don't make that step, that often is not forgiven. Now, before you think that sounds a bit rapey, you have to be able to gracefully step away when you're rejected and not persist. And that's really, really important. So to be authentic and comfortable with your intentions and open about that is very important. And then it just means that you're communicating honestly. But then when you make that step forward and if it's if that is rejected, don't get bitter about it or don't try and persist. It's like, okay, I've made my intentions clear, the ball is in your court, and step away. I saw this interesting formula for what is creepiness. Slightly tongue in cheek, but kind of makes sense that creepiness is awkwardness times forwardness divided by attractiveness to the power of persistence. So if you play around with any of these variables, you can see how that affects the overall creepiness equation. Now, remember, attractiveness can be defined also not just physically, but by how much you have invested in yourself. Now, what I was saying before, there is a difference between getting laid and getting into a relationship. Getting laid is a process. It can be gamed like anything else. And it's really about faking those attractive characteristics in the short term. It's not something that is going to be sustainable or particularly fulfilling. There are ways to do that. And that's what the whole kind of pickup artistry community is all about. If that's what you're into, go for it. But a very common thing that pickup artists experience and people that I know that have gone really hard into kind of pickup artist stuff is that they meet a girl, they shag her a couple of times, and then a few days later, they realize that this guy who they thought that he was is actually a scared little boy who has just put up this kind of alpha front in the short term to try and manipulate people into having sex with them. It's a pretty damning way to express that, but it's, it's very often what happens. And unless you can invest in yourself foundationally as well, then this is not going to be a sustainable approach for relationships. And, and 
saying that, if you do invest in yourself and then you're still just interested in getting laid and not into relationships, absolutely fine. But at least then you can come from a place of authenticity and you can replicate it without feeling like you are putting on a mask that is creating more of a, a gap between who you actually are and who you think you have to play to get into someone's pants. Relationship. So this is just, this is what comes about from the consequence of your self-investment, from you stopping the porn uh, addiction and replacing those habits with something more productive. You can then start to build boundaries and self-respect as a result, which are further more attractive qualities. Okay, step two, the Mark Manson protocol. Now, what Mark Manson recommends, he's a, uh, he's a writer, he wrote the recent book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, and a few years ago wrote a book called Models, both worth checking out or have a look at his blog. But his approach to resetting, and this is the question that you asked about, um, how can I reset my dopamine sensitivity, is schedule in a time to masturbate once every seven to 14 days. On that time, no porn, use your imagination only, and you have to fantasize about somebody who is within reach, somebody that you could feasibly have sex with if you if you put your mind to it or if you um, were to go out and meet them. But so, so it can't be a celebrity or a porn star or anything. Um, and somebody that you haven't yet had sex with, because that's a kind of cop out. The goal of that is then to reset your expectations of what is sexually feasible and to reset your brain's reward centers. Now, I mentioned this to the guy and he said, what if this worsens my withdrawal symptoms? The answer is don't talk yourself out of it before you've even started. Give this a go, give it an honest shot and see what happens. You've got very little to lose at this point. Step three. Again, this was uh, something that I saw from somebody on the, on the reading for this, but very interesting point that from an evolutionary perspective, if you're sat there playing with yourself while watching somebody else have sex with, with someone, that is not going to put you at an evolutionary advantage. And your ancient millions of years old brain knows that. It recognizes that and it thinks this is not a good situation for me to be in. I'm not a sexually feasible male to be sat doing this. This is a submissive and poor quality act to be doing and your brain will step into that role. So it's important to, first of all, stop the behavior, but secondly, stop layering on the conscious judgments on top of that. Again, this is why it's so critical to unload those inherited beliefs and those attitudes that keep you in this cycle. Okay, so if you're interested in more resources, a couple of things you can check out are yourbrainonporn.com and Mark Manson. That's pretty much all I've got on that. As you said, as I say, I'm not the expert on this. I'm, I'm a, a fitness and nutrition guy, but um, for what it's worth, give those steps a shot. Let me know how you get on. And if, I hope this has helped anyone else who's listening. Once again, I admire your courage for asking the question and I will speak to you guys very soon. Oh,